Essential, the podcast for parents, teachers, and youth workers. I'm your host, Kristen Perona, and we're coming to you from Central Christian School in St. Louis, Missouri. We, on our podcast, interview teachers, faculty, administrators, and staff, and we explore topics that will empower you as you guide and impact the next generation. Today, for episode eight, we are talking about telling the counter-narrative to kids. Today is part one, and we are interviewing our school librarian, Nancy and Welcome, Nancy. Thank you, Kristen. Today, we're going to be focusing more specifically <laughs> and so appropriately on the importance of choosing culturally responsive books. And so it's a natural fit that we have our librarian here today. Nancy, can you share with me what it means to be culturally responsive in your literature? Thank you, Kristen. In our library, we have an area called the Unique Image Bearers section. And this kind of originated over the past few years as a result of conversations that we were having among parents and faculty, just making sure that we're representing children with different skin colors, children with uh, unique learning differences, all across the spectrum. And what I realized um, as I was looking through the books in our library that they were pretty similar. And so through different lists and subscriptions that I look at, suggestions from parents. We've just been adding and adding to our library. So for instance, when I think about this, I, I, I look at books that have, let's start with learning differences first, children who have dyslexia. It's just amazing how a child can, what it means to identify uh, with a character in a book that may have an illness or have some sort of an experience that the child has had. So there's a section called Physical and Intellectual Differences. So in that section you're going to find books with kids who have OCD, kids as I mentioned dyslexia, kids who might have autism. There's also a section on immigrants and refugees. For now, gosh, right now in our culture, um, that's a a lot of what's in the news and the media. There are lots and lots of good stories about refugees. It, and it doesn't necessarily have to be refugees that have come to the United States. There are stories out there about when Pakistan became its own country uh, and broke away from India. Well, let me ask you this. So what? how would you actually define being culturally responsive? That's a phrase that not all of our listeners utilize in their day-to-day language, but we use it a lot around here at Central Christian School. In my mind, it means just being aware that the world is not just, doesn't look like you, didn't grow up like you. Right. Um, It's not just your experience. Okay. It's what else is going on out there. I think about my own family. I have four children, two of which are adopted, and one of my adopted was born in India. So in my ignorance, I thought, If I live in a neighborhood that's kind of colorful, that would be okay. I used to say things to her like, I don't see your color. Because in Mm. all honesty, in my mind, she's just part of the family. But Yes, the the colorblind message of the 1980s. Yes, Yes. exactly. Mm -hmm. And so I've since learned and apologized to her uh, over and over that um, I just, I feel like I was a little arrogant that I felt like I didn't need to 
pursue her Indian heritage. The books that we had in our home were all about white people, or mm-hmm. at least they were all white kids. Or The illustrations. Nothing, the illustrations right. were all white. Um, they weren't, I'm not saying they might not have been from other countries, but I, I was not intentional. Nancy, why do you think it is important to be intentional and to be intentionally culturally responsive? Here at Central Christian School, we are racially diverse. We are socioeconomically diverse. So naturally, in our library, we want to have books that reflect our student body. We want children to be able to use books as a window and peer into other people's experiences, but we also want them to be mirrors so that kids can see their own experiences as evidenced in literature. But maybe take a more homogeneous school where there is one race or almost all one race represented. Why is it important for a school like that or for a family where everyone is the same race in the family, why is it important for those schools and those families to also be culturally responsive in their literature? I think you just, you would end up with a narrow view of of what your world is. Mm -hmm. I think when we teach our children and expose them to books that talk about different neighborhoods, a city versus a country, a kid who has to ride the bus to school, a city bus to school versus mm-hmm. having their parents drop them off at the door. You mentioned socioeconomics. It's huge. And if if our kids don't recognize there's a lot beyond their own door, there's a lot beyond their own family, they just have a narrow view of the world. And I also think that, you know, God has made each one of us in his own image. Mm-hmm. and And that includes people that have different skin colors mm-hmm. and different, and differences than the way we look in the mirror right and it's important in our faith walk Mm -hmm. to understand that so we can have compassion towards others Mm -hmm. and understanding and not only have compassion and understanding toward others but also to understand how much we have to learn from people who are different um, from us how much we need people how much we need their their stories i think of our kids And if their only experience is with children who are having identical experiences as they are, for the most part, they assume that that's what the rest of the world is like. They assume that their way of doing things is the right way, the regular way, and that everyone else is a different way. Right. And even I, I think of, gosh, when we had E.B. Lewis come visit us a year or two ago, an African-American, very, very talented illustrator. I was sharing a lot of his books with our students, and I had one Caucasian child ask me why we were reading just stories with black people in them Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. And I answered his question. I said, well, we're having a a very famous illustrator come talk to us, and I want you to see his his work and read his stories. Mm -hmm. But I went home that night, and I was reflecting on that, that here was a child who probably didn't have a lot of um, books in his home of children that had different skin colors. Mm-hmm. And even though he goes to school with kids absolutely, with different skin colors. Absolutely, and, and finds that normal. Mm-hmm. But it was just, it, it was very thought-provoking to me, and it made me kind of even go back and look at the books on my shelves and, again, reflect on what did my kids grow up with. Yes. So when I think about the young moms that I talk to now and they're building their libraries or when I'm giving books, I tend to gravitate towards 
a variety of books. I still have my old favorites, but I, I think about books now where their children will get a diverse selection. So Nancy, I know that last year there was a process that took place and a little bit of reflecting and a little bit of analysis of the books that we have here at our school, in classroom libraries, in your library, the main library. Can you share with our listeners briefly what exactly were those conversations and what was the outcome? Well, the outcome was the unique image bearer section. Mm-hmm. We had a mom in our school who was a former educator kind of do this analysis. Sure. What, yeah, that what, was a, what that was a personal epiphany for me. Probably a little painful. We would have these conversations and it was, we did it as a faculty as well as parent faculty groups. She helped peel back the layers of belief like a belief system that I didn't even recognize was there for me and um, just really brought to mind my own ignorance. She was able to walk with me through the library and look at the books that we already had and then talk about books that we could get that would fit into these specific categories cultural neighborhoods, family backgrounds and differences. That would be adoption or biracial marriages. But she was just really helpful in making uh, book suggestions, making our library more culturally responsive. Nancy, as we close, what mistakes should our listeners avoid? The first one I can think of, don't assume you know it all. Don't assume that just because you've asked one black friend that her answer is the answer for all black people. Absolutely. Um, I would ask multiple people, be careful of stereotyping a particular race or culture because um, that's what you grew up with. And again, that's it's so easy to do based on your past mm-hmm. and what you've been taught yourself. So as we're talking about adding a book to your library, really the sky's the limit and as a community here in St. Louis, as, as a country, we have so, so far to go. But it's not enough to have one picture book with an Asian family in it. Mm-hmm. Have multiple books right. with multiple Asian families. Have multiple books with different races. Push against that stereotype. Right. And you, you also, and you want more than just the picture book. Right. You want the, as I just am as we're talking and reflecting just of the library itself, you may start with the picture book and then you go to the easy reader where they're just starting to read. And Mm -hmm. there are books about um, all kinds of little children that look different. Mm -hmm. And then you move to the easy chapter books and you still keep the theme going, keep the idea going and continue to share stories from different cultures about different kids. I would say within the past, just since I've been working here, I'd say 10 years, I mean, there's a plethora of uh, authors from all different races who are amazing, Mm -hmm. um, writing fantastic stories Mm -hmm. about people in their own culture, Mm -hmm. and kids are eating them up. Right. They are. Mm -hmm. They are. Well, Nancy, thank you so much for being with us today. I appreciate your vulnerability your transparency, and clearly we all have a long way to go in this area. Lifelong learning. Lifelong learning at its finest, especially as Christians. Mm -hmm. This is the body of Christ that we're talking about. 
Listeners, come back for episode nine, where we will have part two, telling the counter-narrative. We're going to be interviewing our principal, Mrs. Paya Sample, and while today we looked very practically at building a library that's culturally responsive, we're going to be getting into the nitty-gritty of having those conversations with your children or with your students, and Mrs. Sample is going to be giving us some suggestions on how to launch those conversations. So tune in again. Thank you so much for being with us.